listening to the My Pet Podcast, the show for pet lovers of Australia and around the world. Proudly brought to you by Australia's trusted online pet supply store, Vet and Pet Direct. Hello and welcome to the My Pet Podcast. I'm Beck and I'm joined by Dr. Glenn. Hello. Today in this episode of My Pet Podcast, we're going to discuss um, cat flu, so which can sometimes be called feline respiratory disease, but we pretty much know it as cat flu. Yep, lots of sneezing. Yeah, that's it. It is. It's like people flu, I guess, but in cats. So it's actually um, a disease we can vaccinate against, but unfortunately we still see a lot of it um, in our cat population. And it's often something you'll see if you're ever going to an adoption place or a rescue place or RSPCA, you'll see cat um, notices on cat um, shelters saying, oh, this cat's had cat flu or has yeah. cat flu or they look sick, basically. Yeah, and, really, really common in, in yeah, unvaccinated populations, yeah. unfortunately, which is pretty much rescue shelters and, and, and yeah. uh, RSPCAs and that sort of thing. Yeah. So you may have come across it that way if you've ever gone to rescue cat. And it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be rehomed or anything, um, but we'll get into all of that and explain it as to why it is something that they can still um, come out of quite Happily. Yes. So um, basically this is just general information that may or may not be suited to your pets. And if you've got any concerns with your animals, please um, contact your veterinarian. Certainly. So, Glenn, cat flu, what is it caused by? Uh, contagious disease, basically. Contagious Two disease, different yeah. viruses or a bacteria that's involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the viruses are very easily spread from cat to cat, unfortunately. Yeah, it's yeah. highly contagious, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, droplet transfer to some extent but that's direct transfer i mean sneezing through cages mm-hmm. or through um in the home situation through uh, security screens and that sort of thing or, yeah. or outside cats you know um uh, fighting with or, or socializing with other cats outside but yeah. certainly through you know security screens that sort of thing like an inside cat that is not um physically being able to contact other cats can still get it mm-hmm. through um through open windows and, and that sort of thing yeah. um, most definitely and um mechanical transfer as well uh, it's not that long lived in the environment mm-hmm. uh, the the virus or the bacteria but it can you know transfer between um an, an infected cat to another uninfected cat via people um you know patting them and then patting so we can bring it home with us. We? Can bring it home. I mean, if you, yeah, if you, you know, in a rescue situation yeah. or, or you know visiting someone and their cat had cat flu, and you could certainly uh, mechanically bring it home to your pet mm-hmm. um, if you, you know, hadn't washed hands and and, mm-hmm. and decontaminated clothes and all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's generally, they pass through the droplets from one infected cat to another. A lot more commonly. Yeah, yeah. Could be from the sneezing or from feed, sharing a feed bowl, water bowl. Yep. Hiss, um, hissing at each other. Hissing at each other. Yep. Litter yep. trays. Um, oh, I suppose if you're unlucky. Yep. Yeah. It's more so sort of direct. Yeah. Just direct. Dro- droplet breathing yep. on each other, hissing at each other, um, sneezing sort of contact. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it is something. With it being so highly contagious, it is something to really be aware of because you can spread it quite yeah. easily around. Yeah. Like a vet clinic or a shelter can end up with everyone getting it if they're not vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. shelters are really in a hard spot because, yeah. um, you know, individual um, you know, decontamination between two different animals is, mm-hmm. is pretty hard. And, and um, as per most viral or bacterial diseases, I mean, sometimes they can um, be infectious before they're actually showing you know, significant yeah. signs sort of thing. Yeah. Um, is it just cats that catch it so the cat can't spread it to the dog or what about to people? Yeah, extremely, extremely unlikely. Yeah. yeah, it's basically just cat-only disease unless there's some sort of weird immune compromise going yeah. on or something like that. Yeah. yeah. 
So what are the symptoms? What are we going to see in a cat that's got cat flu? It's primarily upper respiratory tract infection, so sneezing more so than coughing. I mean, some of them get sore throats and they uh-huh. do sort of a retchy, gaggy sort of thing, um, but it's not like um, kennel coughing dogs, which is primarily a you know coughing, cough, a, yeah. a tracheitis. This is a, a rhinitis, so it's uh-huh. upper respiratory tract troubles. Yeah. Um, you know, in the nasal department, basically. Yeah. So um, sneezing's the hallmark of it, but sometimes um, they can get oral lesions with one of the viruses and they will, you know, get mouth ulcers and, and that will make things, you know, uncomfortable for eating and that sort of thing. And sometimes those cats are, you know, drooly and yeah, that sort of thing because yeah. they've, you know, got mouth ulcers, which are pretty uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Both, um, you know, nasal troubles and mouth troubles can put them off their food, certainly, mm-hmm. because cats are really um, stimulated by the smell of their food yeah. um, as far as their appetite goes. So if they've got a congested or um, you know, blocked up or runny nose, um, certainly their appetite's knocked around. Um, same as any infection, bacterial or viral, they can run um, temperatures and just feel yeah, you know, so gen- generally unwell, basically. Um, and one of the viruses causes... Um, eye ulceration sometimes it affects all the membranes that are at a lower temperature basically so yeah runny sort of watery eyes um and and can cause actual corneal ulceration Mm -hmm. Um, and the bacterial form the chlamydia bacteria it um tends to cause more pussy nasal discharges and and, and pussy eye conjunctivitis sort of things yeah um so difficult to say what um which one of those three is going on just from symptoms alone because the two viruses are you know fairly similar one causes maybe more mouth ulceration mm-hmm. the other one causes maybe more eye troubles but pretty much if it's a clear teary sort of discharge initially more suspicious of the viruses yeah. um, if it's pussy from the start more suspicious of the chlamydia bacteria but you know any viral infection sometimes you get the secondary bacterial mm-hmm. infection and can go from sort of clear and watery to, to pussy discharge but it's pretty much yeah upper respiratory tract symptoms so it's nose Ill, throat Ill thrift. eyes really yeah. yeah it's something that when you see it um you kind of, it's quite easy to recognise, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, kind of stands it's just, out as... Yeah, pretty uncomfortable around the face department. Yeah, and, they do. And, I mean, sometimes if they're immune compromised, um, you can end up with, you know, lower respiratory tract infection yep. troubles, um, become, becoming tracheitis and bronchitis mm-hmm. and, and pneumonias and that sort of thing. I mean, that's relatively uncommon unless you've yep. got um, complicated immune statuses like um, FIV, cat AIDS or, or fetal and leukemia virus troubles, which both suppress the immune system as well. So... Um, and if you get, unfortunately, you know, the virus and the bacteria at the same time or yep. both viruses at once, obviously the um, the symptoms are going to be a lot worse and, and that's probably more so in a um, yeah, rescue shelter situation yeah. or, or, you know, multi-cat household, you know, 50 cats yep. in the one household yep. or something like that. Yep. It gets pretty nasty sometimes. Yep. Yeah. It's um, one of those, is it one of those diseases that can sort of lay dormant in the system? Like they contract it and then it lays dormant and then it pops out at times of stress? Yeah, one of, one of the viruses can um, hang around basically yeah. or they've usually got the acute illness at the start and, and I mean, same as most viruses, they're um, self-regulating uh, it to some extent and the body develops immunity and, and yeah. they get better, you know, regardless of treatment most of the time. Um, treatment can certainly make them more comfortable but mm-hmm. um, the body, you know, that stimulates an immune response and, and gets rid of the virus or gets rid of the symptoms of the virus but they can hang around and have like a carrier state yeah. um, and yes, in, in times of immune stress from other illnesses or pregnancy or you know overcrowding or you know again the FIV, FELV status sort of things yep. that can um, be a, a complicating factor yep. um, and the other main sort of long-term consequence some of these guys unfortunately if they get significant 
secondary bacterial infection in the upper respiratory tract, the little nasal turbinate bone, so mm-hmm. the really fine um, lattice-like structure um, up in the back of the nose because it's such fine um, bone under this little layer of mucous membrane, you can get chronic osteomyelitis or, or bone infection in those turbinates okay. sometimes. So, so it becomes kind of fragile. Yeah, or they just end up with like chronic um, bacterial infections okay. um, up in their, their turbinates and, and sometimes yep. sinuses sort of thing. So that's a fairly low number, but some of those cats that, you know, persistent um, sneezes uh-huh. we, we think sometimes have got this um, yeah, chronic bacterial infection happening yeah. from just sort of scar tissue formation. Oh, interesting. Mm. Um, so how do you go about treating a cat that's got cat flu? Oh, it's mostly symptomatic control. Um, Diagnosis-wise, there are um, both swab tests and blood tests that you can do now to detect which of the three um, uh, diseases are actually there. That probably doesn't happen much in a in a one pet situation. Yep. If you've got a cattery and you've got a, you know, an outbreak of flu, you, mm-hmm. you want to know you know what's going on. Um, is it important to know which one? Really? Um, I mean, other like for a single pet household, probably not, because yep. um, the treatment's usually much the same. Um, if you're trying to you know, eradicate the disease through um, vaccination or um, you know, control measures, yeah, I mean, it can be more important to know actually yep. you know what what virus or bacteria is involved sort of thing. Um, but I mean, the treatment's mostly making them feel better and making them feel uh-huh. as good as possible. And um, if you've got a suspicion of the bacterial form, I mean, antibiotics can form um, part of the treatment process yep. because it is a, a bacteria. Um, specific antibiotics that will kill that type of bacteria you know, can shorten the course of the disease and actually get rid of the yep. bacteria. Because like with everything, um, like a viral, a virus can't actually be treated with antibiotics. Not antibiotics, yeah. I mean, symptoms. there are antivirals um, that you can use, but again, the side effects and, and mm. a lot of the time cost of the, of the antivirals um, mean that they don't get used very often, yep. basically. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I mean, most of it's just um, maintaining um, normal temperatures with mm-hmm. anti-inflammatories and that sort of things. If they're, if they're running high temperatures yep. to get them feeling better, um, symptomatic control, of reduction of sneezing through yep. sometimes antihistamines and, and the anti-inflammatories can help as well. Um, and, you know, just airway health sort yep. of things like some uh, nebulizers and steaming and mm-hmm. you know, steaming up the bathroom to, to moisten respiratory yep. secretions. Kind of like thing. what you do with a kid. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cold or a flu. Yep. Um, just to try and make things more comfortable uh, appetite wise you can certainly wet food seems to be you know in general more palatable yeah. than dry food just because it smells more um, warm it up a bit so it's a bit more aromatic yep. so if they you know can't smell it much um, it can sometimes help to stimulate the appetite a little bit and if um, you've ever heated up cat food it definitely does, smell. <laughs> <laughs> it does, does get more aromatic yes. yeah um, and just you know cats are big on uh, they like feeling good about themselves yeah. when, when eating. So, I mean, hand, hand feeding, I mean, you don't need to stick food in their mouth, but, but a lot of cats that are just borderline, I don't really want to feel like eating. If you just sit there for five minutes and give them a pat and make yeah. them feel better about themselves with a bit of grooming and that sort of thing, a lot of the time that can help to stimulate their yeah. appetite as well. Yeah. yeah. So, that's, yeah, just managing those symptoms. Yeah, managing symptoms primarily. How long does it normally take for them to get over that? Oh, look, some of the milder cases, I mean, they're you know, sneezing intensely for a couple of days to, mm-hmm. to a week to 10 days. Sometimes it, it can certainly be more protracted than that. Yep. Um, I mean, some of them can sneeze, you know, ongoing for you know, a month or two, mm. um, but they're often asymptomatic except for the actual sneezing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it's just um, those little fine airway lining cells can take a while to um, to recover completely and it's just a very you know, soft 
um, fine structure up there. So, yep. um, you know, and it doesn't take much to make you sneeze at yep. the end of the day. So yeah. that still be contagious when they're sneezing those few months later? Can be, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, just depends if it's a bacterial or viral yep. form. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, until they're asymptomatic, they certainly could be um, contagious and uh-huh. the carrier state, you know, there's a possibility they could be contagious for the rest of their life. Yep. Yeah, okay, yeah. So they can carry it for the rest of their yeah, life they and can. share it if yep. you yeah, if they come in contact with another unvaccinated yeah. cat. Um, so which you know, brings um, mm. you know, the prevention stuff into it. You know, yep. Vaccinations, um, certainly the way to go for the, the core vaccinations for the viruses. And the, the problem with the bacterial um, vaccination, there is a vaccination for chlamydia and it's used quite widely. It's not that effective. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, it does stimulate reasonable immunity in most pets. Yep. Um, it's registered for um, reboosting every 12 months after the initial two vaccinations, four weeks apart. A lot of pets, um, their immunity tends to taper off reasonably um, quickly and and may not make it to the 12-month mark. Again, we don't sort of test for that very often. You can do teeter tests um, to detect uh, immunity, but... Yeah, the, the the vaccination of the bacterial components. Um, some vets have got it as part of their regular vaccination mm-hmm. recommendations, um, and some vets haven't. Yep. Yeah, so it's a it's a hard one. It's not a a core vaccination that's mm-hmm. recommended by the um, basically World Veterinary Health Authorities. Yep. Yeah. So the vaccination we're talking about is um, just your general vaccinations that your kittens and cats should have throughout their life. Yeah. So if if three vaccinations yep. basically feel an enteritis and the two viral cat flus, yep. and then the F four is those. Um, plus the chlamydia side of things, yep. and F5 is those four plus the um, leukaemia, mm-hmm. um, and then FIV or cat age is a, is a separate one again. So, again, talk to your um, local um, veterinarian as yep. far as what diseases are more prevalent um, yep. in your area. Um, depends on the, the lifestyle of your cat realistically. Yep. I mean, if you've um, got an inside-outdoor cat that's fraternising with um, cats in yeah, the, in the, the district, I'd certainly recommend um, you know strongly, strongly that their vaccinations are kept up to date and, and probably for the, um, the chlamydia side of things mm-hmm. as well. Um, if you've got an indoor-only cat that, that you know, sees other cats never or very infrequently, uh, I mean, the F3 vaccination may well be you know, enough all, all that you need them. sort of thing. Yeah. But again, talk to you. I'm talking sort of about case what's by case. happening locally. Yeah, um, and definitely in a cattery situation or, mm. or you know, cats that are going to um, cat shows and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, full vaccination status would be um, very, very, very beneficial. Yeah. yeah. So um, obviously the only other prevention is to stop that um, – Contact to an infected cat, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, usually pretty easy to do unless you, um, again, got an indoor outdoor cat or in a, you know, in a, a um, large uh, rescue. Yeah. SPCA sort of situation. I mean, a lot of these cats, unfortunately, you know, they they end up with those sort of facilities because they're strays or come from yeah. um, homes that are you know a little bit of uncertain origin, and um, and they uh, get them in and vaccinate them as soon as possible and try and maintain um, as strict a quarantine mm-hmm. as possible. But a lot of the time, they've they've been exposed relatively yeah. recently to the virus, or or they get exposed in in those sort of yeah. um, environments, and and they you know they're vaccinated, but they haven't got enough immunity yet, um, or yeah. the vaccination. Yeah, it just hasn't had enough time to, to stimulate immunity and, and they'll show signs of disease. Yeah. If they've had cat flu, um, then you vaccinated them and then they become protected? Is that how it works? Or they can still be a carrier? Or They can still be a carrier despite yep. vaccination. Yep. Yeah, so it's, it, they can be a bit complicated. Look, I mean, there's not many cats that we sort of see that seem to be carriers, but again, you know, the only way you know that they're probably carriers is by um, doing extensive viral testing or, you know, bring another unvaccinated cat into the environment in close uh, association with that cat, which wouldn't be a good idea in no, the first place anyway. That, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it really, it's only um, thinking about, okay, 
okay, if you've got a cat that's had, you know, previous cat flu, particularly if they show any ongoing, um, you know, intermittent sneezing symptoms, um, bringing a, you know, eight week old cat who's only just had its first vaccination into uh-huh. that environment, probably not a great not a idea. idea. Um, so either, you know, quarantine, you know, a new cat at home or, or, you know, defer until after that second vaccination. Yep. So they've got better immunity and bring them home when they're, you know, 12, 13 weeks old sort of thing. Yeah. So, it is it is very common to go to a shelter or RSPCA kennel uh, cattery and see a number of cats um, saying I've just had cat flu or I've got cat flu and can't go home for a few weeks. And, yeah. Um, once. They're still safe and perfectly healthy to adopt, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, look, I mean, 98% of the time they don't have any ongoing yep. issues, basically. So, I mean, there's lots and lots of cats um, that have the condition and, and don't um, enter, you know, the, the chronic long-term stuff. And realistically, there's a you know, there's a bit of a breed predisposition to uh-huh. troubles. There's um, your very short-nosed cats, yep. um, your Persians, et cetera. They um, seem Gosh, to be a little bit more prone, as do the Orientals with, you know, an extra long nose, um, the domestic short hairs and, and cats with a more, you know, regular, normal cough seem to be a little bit more um, robust and less likely to have those, you know, those chronic um, uh, osteomyelitis and and chronic sort of carrier states. Mm -hmm. So they are, though, perfectly fine for you to adopt and take them home to be absolutely. part of your family, yeah, absolutely. and have, they'll have live a normal, long, happy yeah. life afterwards. Yeah. I mean, usually it's a yeah, you know, it's a transient problem that's uncomfortable when they yeah. get it, and they unlikely to have any troubles after that. Yeah, but they yeah. normally, with a rescue or a shelter, they normally won't send them home when they're actually on medication or treatment. Correct. They'll just yeah. wait till they have recovered from the situation, yeah. and then yeah, then they can move on and be part of your family. So yeah. you don't have to um, rule them out because of it. No, absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, do they those cats then continue on a normal vaccination protocol yes. afterwards? Yep. yep. Yeah, just um, yep. just treat them as normal cats yep. from there. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that's pretty much all I've got on cat flu. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean, it's not an uncommon thing, but it's you know, it's really, really, really life threatening. It can be yeah. very uncomfortable while it's happening, um, and they feel you know pretty sick and sore and sorry for themselves. Just sometimes. like you do when you get a cold or a flu. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, lots of sneezings. Yeah, you know, mm. not that nice. And when they're sitting on their chest, on your chest, um, and you're giving them a pat, sneeze <laughs> <laughs> in your face, that may not be the nicest Ooh, thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's very few long term repercussions yeah. for for the vast majority of cats. Yeah. yeah. But it is one of those things that you definitely should be aware of, and that's one of the reasons we vaccinate. Yep, it's out there. Yep, Yep. that's right. All right, that's all I got on Cat Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.